Yo, what's going on, world? Welcome back to the Big Mouth Podcast. I'm your esteemed host, the well-known unknown, Mr. Troy Bailey. It's uh, been... (laughs) I know it's been a few weeks (laughs) since the last podcast. I know I said that uh, I was going to start churning these out every week or every other week. Um, That hasn't been the case lately. I've, I've just been busy as hell. For, for the past few weeks um, kind of going through a transition uh, with employment uh, getting some work done on my house and I just got done planning out my daughter's birthday last weekend which turned out to be a success for the most part it definitely could have been better I always feel like that everything that I do could be uh much better there's always room for improvement um but there was there was there was just there's just been a lot going on um all good stuff though it hasn't it hasn't been a it it it, i I don't think of them as setbacks just more of a you know maybe hurdles but no no setbacks you know i've actually been a uh progressing pretty well for the most part uh trust me if i if i had some shit going on i i'm i kind of wear my heart on my sleeve and uh without giving away too much details i i'm i don't have a problem telling really telling anybody if i'm struggling in the area um but but one of the things that has been kind of reoccurring on my mind has been the the uh, this podcast, like really, you know, I, I, I wanted to put one out, um, a week after the last one, but, uh, I had put out a little video on social media stating that I wanted to do it with the guest. I was going to have a guest, a special guest. Um, unfortunately that guest wasn't, wasn't able to make it cause you know, life, <laughs> they got their shit going on too, just like everybody else. So, um, Part of my excuse for not putting this out was, um, you know, not having the guest on. So, so now I'm <laughs> basically I'm blaming the reason why I couldn't get this out sooner on somebody else. So that shows you how responsible I am, or or how <laughs> how, how how much I hold myself accountable. But no, nah, the reality is is that no, nah, I just I I I just have been have been busy. I probably could have gotten it out, but because I'm such a, I can be a head case sometimes when it comes to this. I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to put it out unless I thought that it was going to be, it was going to be good. I wanted to have quality content. Um, I've been getting some good feedback from, from people that I just run into, you know, here and there about the podcast and, uh, you know, some of my, some of my good friends and, and uh, associates uh will will give me some great feedback give me some uh some tips and some pointers and uh which is great because i don't i don't involve myself or i don't i don't really i don't really connect with like yes men people that just go yes to everything that i do i don't think that that's healthy and uh anybody who does do that i you know it's it's your world but i don't i I disagree with that. I think it's good to have people in your circle that keep you on your that keep you on your square, that keep you on your your post. And uh I you know, I'll be honest, good 
the, the people that I keep around me um, consistently, they're, first of all, they're amazing people. But, you know, they can be kind of harsh. They're, some of them are kind of assholes <laughs> when, it, when it comes to, you know, uh, some of the things that I'm doing. Like, if I'm slipping up, there's a couple people in my circle that would be very quick to, to call me up and, to, and and tell me that what I'm doing ain't right or it's not cool. And uh, you need people in your circle like that. Um, but man, I God dang, I, I gotta I gotta tell y'all about something that's really really been on my mind the last couple of days. I didn't I didn't know, and I I kind of picked up on this. Um, I'd say because I. Let me see. Today's Saturday. Oh, by the way, um, it's it's Saturday morning. I'm up early. It's almost six o'clock. I'm I'm usually up early anyway. I'm an early bird, but I'm getting ready to. Uh, I'm gonna take my daughter to the movies this morning. We're gonna see uh, the new Incredibles, and this is actually gonna be my first time taking my daughter to a to a movie theater. So I'm I'm excited about it. Um, but on the subject of my daughter, uh. You know, like I said, I was, you know, I put together a little get-together for her birthday last weekend at the park. It was a small little get-together. Her mom took her to Disneyland earlier in the week. So, you know, she she basically got two birthdays. You know, lucky her. <laughs> but one of the things, one of the things that I noticed, uh, <laughs> I didn't know, and and this is probably just me being being a overbearing father or just me being hyper uh what's the word uh hyper hyper visual I guess I don't know I don't know if that's a word but I didn't think it was possible for my daughter she just turned three and she seems to be getting cuter you know like you know they the your kids are cute when they're infants and then you know, as they get older, they get mature. They get, they get, uh, they 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 start talking more. They they get personalities, and all of a sudden, they're not as cute as they were when they weren't talking, and they were just gaga gooing all the time. And you know, even when they had shitty diapers, you still thought it was cute. Um, I'm noticing some of the things that my daughter is doing, and the way how she looks is is. It's uh, it's crazy because I I feel like that she's getting more and more charming and more uh, adorable, and just the things that you know she says and she de- like you know she definitely has that. There's things that she does that doesn't that annoys the shit out of me. Like I, you know I ain't gonna lie when she cries it's like and, and not when she cries but when she cries when you when I know that she's She's doing it because she wants to get something. That annoys the hell out of me. And, you know, I don't I don't hit my daughter. Um, her mom is a little bit more physical with her, but even with her, she's very, you know, she doesn't... We're, we're very... We try to do the verbalization method as, as far as uh, disciplinary first before it gets to that level. Now, I, I'm not going to say I've never hit my daughter. Um, cause I've had to pop her a couple of times. Um, but I'm trying to sh- steer away from that. Not knocking the people who do, uh, uh, hit and, 
maybe I shouldn't say hit because that's, that might sound a little bit too uh, aggressive. That might sound a little, you know, it may sound a little bit too negative. So let's say spank. I don't, I don't spank my daughter. Um, I'm not afraid to. That's just not something that I do. But anyway, I'm, I'm kind of digressing on this because the, the point that I'm really trying to make by bringing that up is that the fact that my daughter is getting cuter to me scares the shit out of me. And that's kind of what I've been experiencing lately. Um, and when I mean lately, I just mean as an adult, especially as a father. But as an adult, I've become, the older I get, I feel like that I've become more fearless. Really not giving a shit about certain things. But the things that I do care about scare the shit out of me. Um, so let me, you know, let me, let me, since we're on the subject of my daughter, let me, let me uh, put put more weight on it. Um, so I'll start with when she was born. I might have already shared this with you guys, but <clears throat> my daughter, you know, my daughter's three years old. So obviously three years ago. Um, when she was born in the hospital, uh, you know, the, the, the labor process was, you know, it was, it was very, uh, it was nerve wracking. I'm sure all the parents out there, uh, who've been in the delivery room, they, they can relate. Um, but this was very, there, there was something that I felt like was not right the entire time that I was there. As if everything is going to be all right, but there was something that was inside of me that I didn't know how to really convey to everyone else. I mean, there was, you know, so many people that was there that day. I remember my mom, uh, uh, you know, my dad stopped by, you know, a couple of my close friends. Um, and then obviously my, my daughter's mom, her family was there, uh, her mother, her father, um, sisters, brothers, there, there was so many people that I, I feel like that came out, um, which, which really eased my nerves. I really appreciated everybody that came out, but it still didn't help the, the internal anxiety that I was having that something is not right. So she was, she was basically, my daughter's mom was in, was in labor basically for about a day and a half. So we had a, uh, we had a close call. Uh, I remember, I think it was the day before we sh um, where I, I believe, I, and I might be wrong, I don't know. It was such a blur at this point. Um, but we came to the hospital, it was a, it was a, um, it was basically a false alarm, but, but, um, they had, they had said, you know, stay close, uh, you mo most likely will need to come back to the hospital within another 24 hours. So, her water breaks. Uh, later on that day and we go back to the hospital so she was basically um in labor i'd say for about a day a day maybe maybe even a day and a half um so to make a long story longer we we get to the point to where um she's not dilating enough there's not you know she's 
she's not able to push my daughter out. Now, oh, I got to preface this. I got to preface this. I should have mentioned this before. So, a couple weeks prior, we had went to our um, our assigned OBM. Uh, I think that's what they're called, OBMs. I hope I'm getting those acronyms right. Um, but this is the guy that we had been we had been meeting with for the entire length of the pregnancy, and he had told us that uh, everything was was great, everything was fine, and and this is something to remember. He had mentioned that uh, the as far as her weight goes, Zoe's my my daughter's weight. She should be about seven pounds, seven, six or seven pounds, which is a healthy weight for for a newborn. And so I'm like, okay, great. Um, you know, healthy kid, healthy kid, healthy, healthy life, happy parents, great. So we're in the delivery room. Our assigned OBM is not there. Instead, what they do is they have a they they basically have a team of OBMs, and whoever is available, I guess it's on a shift basis. Whoever is on shift at the time of of us arriving at the delivery room, that OBM was going to work with us. So we may, we meet the OBM. Very sweet lady, very sweet lady. I'm I'm a I'm a mess pretty much. I'm um, I haven't slept much. Um you know I'm going I'm going through all the anxieties that first time fathers go through. And this lady was was she was amazing, her and her team. She had a team of nurses, and uh, she saw that I was getting anxious, and she pulled me to the side and asked me, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I told her, it's like, well, you know, she's been pushing for, like, the last 12 hours, and I'm, I'm, I don't know what's next. You guys keep saying that we may possible, we may, we, we may have to do the C-section, we may have to do the... Um, um, or, or we may just, she may have to just keep pushing. I'm like, well, which one is which? You know, this is, this is killing me. She was already, oh, and she was already a week overdue. So it's like, okay, what is the, what is the procedure? I just keep, you know, can we, when, when can we get my daughter out in the world? And, uh, finally it got to the point to where it's like, okay, we're, we're, they're, She's at, she's in the point where the head, her, you know, my daughter's head is basically poking out, you know, it broke through the cervix. Um, I can see the head, so, you know, I'm not going to get too graphic, but I can see the head. Um, it's some nasty shit, by the way, if y'all ain't, if y'all have never seen a, a live delivery. Uh, it's nasty, but it's beautiful. <laughs> so prepare yourself for that. It's beautiful, but it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so what the nurses did is they got a, they got a vacuum. Um, anyone that's, again, anyone that's been in the delivery room, you probably know what I'm talking about. They had to get like a, uh, a medical vacuum and basically vacuum my daughter out of her mother. Uh, that's the short way to put it. So it was getting to the point and this is where it really, it really started to scare the shit out of everybody in the room. Um, the nurse looks, the, the, the head, uh, OBM, uh, OBGYM, that's what, that's what it is, jeez, sorry, it's early, y'all, um, 
She looks at my daughter's mom dead in the face and said, look, if you do not push, you are going to lose your daughter. And that's that just put everybody on high alert. So it was a team effort. So what I did is I, I you know, we all had to uh, I remember I was on one side of the table holding the daughter, holding uh, her mom's leg. Uh, I think my mom might have been on the other side of the table holding her other leg, and she had to push. The other nurses, uh, there was two other nurses, I believe, um, and they were real petite, so they were able to actually get on the the bed, and they started netting uh, my daughter's mom's stomach like dough, basically trying to push. Okay, so you got one, if you can imagine the scene, you got one one nurse with the vacuum on basically the vacuum is on the head of my daughter because the head is the only thing that's poking out. Um, and then you got two other nurses that are pushing the stomach. So they're sucking the vac, they're, they're sucking my daughter out through the vacuum. The other nurses are netting her stomach, pushing it out. So it helps the process. So everybody is just screaming. I'm I'm not even gonna lie, y'all. I was in tears, crying like, like, like I was having a baby. Um, and then f so finally, uh, my daughter comes out as blue as the sky, y'all. Like she had no signs of life. She came out. And uh, usually, what they do is they'll they'll do skin to skin contact immediately when the when the child is born. Usually, put it on uh, the mother's chest to try to get get the child to nurse. None of that happened. They pulled they pulled her out, and uh, she looked like a dead fish, y'all. She she came out. They basically tried to fly. She they just flopped her on her mom's chest. Saw that there was no movement, and I'm basically like I'm I'm looking at everything, almost in shock. And, uh, so they, so, so they take her and they bring her out into the hallway. Um, two other people, I, I didn't even know where these people come from. This is how chaotic it was. I mean, they, they, these people had, they shit on lock because everybody knew the procedure of what to do when something like this happens. So immediately there was two people who ran in, they picked her up. And they brought her outside. Now, everywhere where my daughter went, I was going. So when they picked her up, I went out there with them. They went in the hallway. They administered infant uh, CPR. And um, I remember my mom was out there praying. Just praying out loud. Please, Lord. Please, Jesus. Please, Lord. Please, Jesus. I'm just, I'm just bawling. I got tears in my, I'm not irate, I'm not like, uh, it's not one of them, because I don't cry like that, but it was definitely a lot of heavy breathing, my eyes were, my eyes were watering, I had my hands on my knees, I'm, I'm looking up, checking on the, inf I didn't want to give the, I didn't, I didn't want to be too close, because I wanted them to do their job, and I remember just telling them, like, please, please don't, please don't let my baby die, please don't let my baby die, that was all I can say at that point, please don't let my baby die. And I'm also at the same time trying to hold it together because everybody else is just scared, sh like just shitless, like because no one had ever experienced like that. I definitely hadn't experienced anything like that. Um, but 
I'd say, I mean, it, it seemed like it was much longer. Probably about six, seven minutes later, they revived her. And she's breathing again. She's crying. And it's, it was just a, such a relief um, at that moment that, you know, I, I have a, I have a living child that, okay, my child isn't going to die. She wasn't dead, but the fact that for those six, seven minutes that I thought that my daughter was dead was probably most, it was definitely one of the most scariest times of my life. So, you know, I take her over to the uh, the NICU. She was there. She and she looked healthy. I mean, the the other children, um, the other the other infants that was in the Nick Nick room. They they you know, if you've been in NICU before, uh, you know, there's a lot of preemies. What they call preemies, uh, premature births. So you know, small infants was in there. And, uh, oh, and I got to mention this. So we didn't find out until, uh, we got to the NICU. Now, this is the reason why I brought up what our previous OBGYN had told us about, uh, our daughter's weight. Okay. Now he said that she was going to be seven pounds. We didn't find out until the Nick, the NICU that she actually weighed in at birth at nine pounds, three ounces. Now, my daughter, my daughter's mom is a, she's a petite woman. She's about, uh, probably about five, three. Now she's basically pushing out a 10 pound baby, which is amazing. I mean, she earned another level of respect by doing that. But Imagine a damn near 10 pound, again, for, for the people that's been in the NICU, NICU imagine a, a damn near 10 pound baby in the NICU measured up to all of these other babies in there. It was, it was, it was another level of, of just like sadness that kind of seeped in every time we would go to the NICU because you would see these families around their kids, their newborns that are, that are basically, um, you know, hanging on to life. My daughter was just in the NICU for precaution. When something like that happens, this is just their procedure. But at that point, we all kind of knew, okay, she's going to be fine. She had the cone head <laughs> from, from the vacuum. So she, she had the weird alien head. So now that, that's what kind of, um, I, I guess that little small abnormal, abnormally, um, would kind of, I guess, make her fit in, <laughs> but, but nah, she was, she was, she was coherent, she was healthy, the most beautiful thing that, that I definitely had been a, been a part of, um, but being in that room was also another fear, because it was, it was like, ah, just, if you really think about it, some of these infants may not make it out of here alive. And, the, and, and that's the reality, you know, that's a, that's another, that's another fear. And sometimes what I do, um, is maybe I, I might empathize a little bit too much because, I, you know, I would just 
have like little chit chats with some of the other families in there and they they usually would comment they they usually would initiate the conversation with me because it was a little hard to initiate the conversation with them because I can only imagine the morning that they're going through um but they would they would kind of look at at and my daughter kind of go, you know, hey, what's what's going on? What's what's going on with your baby? And and we would tell them, and and uh, and then they would tell us, you know, what's going on with theirs. And a lot of them, I was surprisingly, was very forthcoming. Um, because some of the family members weren't actually, uh, like they were, you know, they were there for the child, obviously, but the the mother. Of the child, what I noticed is that for a good handful, they weren't in the NICU. And I remember there was a couple of them that were saying that, yeah, the, the mom was using drugs. The mom wasn't taking care of herself. Um, the mom was under a, a lot, a high, a lot, under a lot of stress, which led to, you know, the, the child being burnt, being born early or being, being born with all of the, uh, um, you know, all, all, all of these, uh, these issues. So it was tough. And I'm, so again, I'm empathizing, I, you know, which I do a lot of, especially in my line of work, uh, in public service, uh, working with at-risk youth and families. Um, that's kind of what you do, but this was on a different level because now I have a child and the fact that it, it, I had just experienced, one of the most traumatic things in my life where I thought my daughter was dead upon birth. And now I'm talking to families who are who are basically kind of experiencing the same thing, just more long. It's just more long, long winded. And. I'm scared for them. So. The the thing is, is that. I've ex I since my daughter has been born, there is a level of fear that I have. Um, that's kind of shifted. Um, there's a lot of things now that I've just I just can give I can give two fucks about. I don't you know I don't really care. I don't even, I don't even really care. I've noticed since my daughter's been born, I don't even care about sports as much. I like sports. I like what you know. I'm 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 a football fan. Um. I like I like watching basketball. I like watching. I'm not I'm not too much into watching baseball unless it's at a live game. Um, but just you know, that's just an example. There's just certain things that I just don't give a shit about as much. Um, but I but I definitely have reprioritized my life, um, which is what you should do as a parent. Uh, so, you know, I'm not asking for, you know, kudos or whatever. This is just kind of how it is. But I think that um, my fear has heightened in certain areas and uh, it's lessened in certain areas. And that kind of I don't know if it's the best thing because I don't know. I don't I've never really cared about death on my end um, as much as I would somebody else's. So. If something bad were to happen to me, that doesn't scare me as much as something bad happening to somebody very close to me. Um, you know, like my mother, uh, my father, 
uh, a close friend. Um, those type of things make me make me very anxious. But what I've also noticed is that my fears have really, uh, and I, I even noticed this when I was younger, but my fears are, are kind of a filter for, uh, well, I won't say a filter. I'd say that my fears, they're, they're kind of a, sh a shield that I use to protect myself from certain things in the world. So if, if I'm feeling a certain way about something, that's a good thing. If I if I'm fearful of something, that's a good thing because that's gonna put my put my that's gonna activate my defense mode, which I think is healthy. Um, what I don't think is healthy is when your fears are basically control when you allow your fears fears to con to control all of your life, meaning okay. Um, Sometimes I get a little social anxiety. Now, if if I don't have any food in my house and I got to go to the store where I know there's going to be people there, I can't let my fear hinder me from getting food to feed myself and my daughter because that just is that that's that's not productive. That's the opposite. That's counterproductive. So in that sense, it's like, okay, I do have this, this, and I guess it wouldn't really be a fear, but I do have this anxiety around, you know, with being around a whole lot of people. And there may be a whole lot of people at the store that may not be. Um, but I still got to do what I got to do in order to be productive. So in which case... Yes, I have this this anxiety, but I'm not I'm not going to be afraid to go to the store to get some food for myself and my and my daughter. But I know people that do have that problem. I've I've done case management for people who have that issue. I've actually um, had to take take a couple of my clients in the past to the to the store. Um, to help them get some groceries, to help them get some things for the house, because they just had so much, uh, so much anxiety just being around people that being being with someone that they were familiar with was going to help them. So again, I empathize with that. Um, and again, like I, I constantly have the well. I'm not going to say constantly because I've, I've learned to really manage it more. But I remember in the beginning and I, you know, one of the things I don't want to be is a, a ridiculously overbearing father because that never turns out well. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't think that I am and I don't think that I will be um, just because I have a, I have a very calm demeanor when it comes to most things. But, you know, depending on, you never know what the situation is going to bring. So depending on what the situation is, I can't say how I'm going to react because it may be a situation that I'm not familiar with. I didn't expect my daughter to, to not 
to not have any signs of life when she was first born. I'm, I'm expecting a, 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 a screaming, you know, just like how all, all of my friends and family before had went through when they had their kids. The, the kid came out. It was it was. It was a lot of uh, anxiety go going into it, but once the baby came out, it was the baby was screaming, it was it was crying, everyone was happy, everyone was crying, everyone else was crying. I didn't expect to be crying in the sense of that maybe my daughter would be dead, because my daughter had no signs of life when she came out of the womb. And uh, I remember talking to the nurse afterwards and just thanking her and um, thanking her and the team. Uh, you know, for, for delivering my daughter. And I asked her too, hey, do, I know this can't happen all the time. I, I, you guys seem to handle that well. Like, that, does this happen very often? And she surprisingly told me, you'd be surprised that stuff like that does happen quite often. I said, really? Okay, so that, so that is what I do to calm my nerves. What I try to do is talk to people who might be able to relate to how I'm feeling at that time about that situation. And this is why, again, going back to what I was saying before, I try to keep people in my circle who are going to be honest with me. That, that woman was honest with me about that. She didn't have to be, but she was. I appreciate honesty because that's... That's that's what kind of keeps me sane in a way. Other people may not be ready for it, and I I have to respect that um, because sometimes I can be too honest. Um, and I think me being fearless is what makes me is is kind of what um, makes me more of an honest person. Sometimes I've been told too I can be a little bit too honest that it can be harsh, and uh, that's never my intention. Um, there's this, uh, uh, legal terminology that I learned back in college called, uh, impact versus intent. You know, anytime, and this, this is the truth. Anytime I'm trying to be honest, it's always in good nature. I know, I, I don't want to be honest to, to hurt someone, but it comes out that way. So the impact or excuse me, the intent of what I was trying to do in that moment of being honest was to be, uh, was to be helpful, was to be, um, uh, thought provoking, uh, was to give another perspective but the impact was was taken the wrong way. The person or persons took it out of at, at, took what I was saying out of context and looked at it as a negative, and that again, that wasn't my intention. So and and that's why I gotta I have to really you know pay attention to. Um, I have to really uh, make sure that the, the the audience that I'm sharing my honesty with 
is 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 aware of what my intent was. And they may not. They may still just focus on the impact. And that's, again, something that, you know, you really have to pay attention to. Um, because my not giving a fuck attitude about certain things can affect the people that do give a fuck. So, I guess, you know, when I'm, the whole basis of my fears is, is, I think that fears are healthy overall. Um, and by the way, if you're someone who is fearless across the board, if you're if you're one of those people that just is just like fuck it about everything or even most things or fuck it about the things that that I care about, I probably don't want to have much to do with you. Um, I feel like that I have healthy fears. And I'm not trying to have any more, but there are certain things that do scare the shit out of me. So, if you can at least understand that, then okay, I can, I can, I can work with someone like that. I can associate with someone like that. But if you're someone that just has no empathy at all for uh, some some of the fears that are going on in the world. Chances are, I'm probably not going to have much to do with you. Um, and, you know, I'm third, I'll be 33 in a few months. So, <clears throat> I'm getting, I feel like I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm gaining wisdom by the year. And I'm learning lessons about myself. Meaning, I'm, I'm knowing, I'm learning more about what is good for me. You know, 10 years ago, and this is, I think this is typical for young 20-somethings, um, early 20-somethings, even just 20-somethings, period. Something about being in your 20s where we kind of feel like we got it, we got it figured out. I didn't, I wasn't one of those people that thought that I had it figured out in my teenage years. I know some people did. I just, I, I just remember being confused a lot as a teenager. But I definitely, there was some points in my 20s where I did, I did have that, uh, um, I don't want to say arrogance, because I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'll say that confidence that I had certain things figured out. But what I, but, but what I'm, where I'm at now is that I still have that, that confidence, but I, I honestly am more prepared for the failure, meaning meaning mentally, not, you know, I'm still prioritizing myself and uh, making sure that I don't do or making sure that I that I am successful at this venture that I'm that I'm that I'm going into or or, or project or or event organized, whatever. I always make sure that I'm prepared, but you know, what I'm learning more in my 30s is that shit happens, certain things happen out of your control, and if you, if you quote-unquote fail at it, don't take it as a failure, take it as a learning lesson, and move on to the next, and that, I feel like I've improved that on so many, 
on so many different levels. Because I used to be real, real. I still am. I'm not saying I used to be because I still am. I'm hard on myself about certain things. I am my biggest critic. Because I, I, only you as the individual can really see your potential. And, you know, I've said this to kids that I've case managed, that I've mentored, that I've advocated for. Um, kids and families, you know, I'll tell them straight up, look, I can give you, I can give you the keys to the kingdom with, with the, the work that we can do as far as my resources, I can, I will work, I can work harder than you in order to get you the resources that you need, employment, housing, uh, you know, uh, mental, mental health support. I can I can give you those things, but what I'm going to have a hard time doing is showing you how to use those things when I'm out of the picture. So I'm not doing this person a service by doing by by giving them all of these things. It is entirely up to them to accept what I'm giving to them, learn, learn what I'm giving to them and go out and do these things or. Or be able to maintain these things on their own. So basically, and I'm sure some of you guys have heard this before, I want to teach, you You have to be in a position to where you teach people how to fish, not fish for them. Right? So, that is, that's kind of the narrative that I've, you know, I've recently, I'd say, that I've been using and working with, um, you know, my clientele, um, you know, I'd say over the past few years that that's that's just kind of how it is. And I'll tell them, like, you know, I can give you I can give you a lot of support. I can point you in the right direction of of, of other people that will give you support. But it's entirely up to them. You know, you, you again, you know, it's another another uh, uh, metaphor, so to speak, leading a horse to water. But you can't make that horse drink. You know, it's the same thing with me. And that's kind of how I was raised with those with those uh, with those metaphors and those. Uh, um, those little those those jewels, those trinkets, those things that help you realize that that at the end of the day, you look to your left, you look to your right and nobody's there. You look behind you. Nobody's there. So what are you going to do? What are you gonna do? You gotta you gotta figure it out on your own. And that's another fear within itself. Having to do things on your load on your on your own. Because there's gonna be some things where you just there's gonna be some times where you're just gonna have to pick up the slack and get the job done somehow, some way. So so that's kind of you know where I'm at in my life right now. Um experiencing these these new uh, these new ventures, um, you know. Again, I talked to you guys a lot about this podcast. How I had you know a lot of uh, uh, reservations in, in getting it started because I wasn't sure what direction I wanted it to be, and I'm still you know still trying to figure it out. But this is the best way of learning. Um, just kind of doing it, just 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 doing it. And then just accepting whatever is going to come back to me. Um, 
you know, I said that uh, my next podcast was going to have a guest. Didn't have a guest. So, you know, all these other, you know, I, I, my plate got fuller and fuller. All of a sudden, it's like, damn, I got to, fuck, well, I got to put something out. I can't wait for a guest. You know, so I honestly, I, I, I woke up this morning, I was lying in bed, and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to do this thing now. And, uh, and this is, you know, this is how I got to do it. This is how I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to move. I got, I got, I got to, you got to just do it. Just do it. You know, I had someone tell me that recently, earlier this year. I'm telling about how I'm having trouble doing this and that and the other. And this is, you know, somebody that I was working with, he was, he was my trainer actually. And he just, he just took, he just simple. It was just so simple. Just do it. That's all he said. Just do it. Okay, yeah, I hear you saying that you have to do this, that, and the other, and you might be having trouble doing it, but still, just just do it. You're not going to hurt anybody by doing it. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is that someone's going to tell you that you're doing it wrong, in which case you you stop, you readjust, you, readjust, you do it again. And you might have to, it, it may happen multiple times. You might have to stop and readjust multiple times through whatever venture you're going through. But the failure comes when you stop. When you completely stop, then you fail. So if the only way that this podcast could fail is if I stop. And uh, I started this in the beginning of May. Um, you know, this is, this is episode, I think it's episode four now, and, uh, I still want to keep, I, I, I have, I still have a desire to keep putting these out there, um, because it's not, and it's not out of a selfish act, it's not because I have this point of view that I want to get out in the, into the world, um, but it's because I know other people that have great points of view that are, that I feel like, they should get it out in the world too, and those are the people that I want to have as guests. You know, my uh, my boy Larry. He always has a point of view. He always has something to speak on, and we don't always. That's the thing too. Larry and I, you know, when we when we did ours, going into it, we knew we don't always see eye to eye. We have disagreements. Perfect example. I'm a 49er fan. He's a Raider fan. So if y'all know about that rivalry, you know. <laughs> When it comes to that, that alone means that we're kind of, we're we're different. So I don't I don't I'm not I don't want to put people on that are again that are yes men. Larry is probably one of my biggest critics. You know he's one of my best friends and he's he's legitimately one of my biggest one of my biggest critics. But he does he's able to do it in a way where it's not a put down. You know he's he's. At the same time, him being one of my biggest critics, he's also one of my biggest supporters. You know, so you got to have that balance. And those are the people that I want to have on. Those are the people that I want to that 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 I keep close to me. I don't I don't I want I want people to, you know, if I'm fucking up, they'll be the first to, to let me know. Um, And they also know that I can be I can be defensive at times. So if you. If you're dealing with that, you're gonna have to. If you're dealing with me, you're gonna, you know, that's something that you kind of got to deal with. Um, 
you know, not because I want to argue, but it's just because I, you know, maybe, maybe here's another thing that you didn't realize. And the reason why I'll, I'll become defensive is because it's kind of a, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like sparring. It's like, okay, well, you're telling me this, I'm going to hit you with this, you hit me with that. It's not going to be hard or harsh, but because I'm still trying to learn more about myself, um, maybe there's something else that you can tell me by me putting up this defense mechanism that that will help me figure out more of what I'm doing that's 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 wrong if that makes sense um and again you know some people can handle that some people don't you know that's why I have a I have a I have a fairly small circle you know which is pretty traditional when you as you get older your so your circle should get smaller you know um, but, you know, the overall, uh, scope of, of this, you know, this particular podcast is just really about, you know, my fears and the fears that I have, um, as a, you know, mainly as a father, but just, just as a person, um, cause yeah, I'm in my early thirties, but I'm still classified as a young black male. And those, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of, uh, you know, that being something that other people may sense in me. I definitely don't look at me being a young black male as a, as a hindrance, uh, but I definitely identify with certain people that have been hindered because of their, uh, their ethnic background. So that kind of feeds into that, that does kind of feed into my fear because that's something about me that will never, that will never change. The young part will change, but the black male part will never change. And so moving forward, um, I need to, I need to be able to really keep that in check Stay aware, you know, again, stay on my post, you know, stay on my square um, and really learn better ways to navigate in this hectic world that we living in um, with the with the understanding that things that things aren't going to work my way as much as we would all like them to. But it's just not going to, it just doesn't work that way. You know, be prepared, be prepared for the worst. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, plan on the best, but prepare for the worst. That might be a better, a better phrase. Um, and again, you know, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't look at my, my fears as a hindrance. Um, I use them as, as learning experiences. And also as that is, that is one of my defense mechanisms. Fear is a defense mechanism. Um, and I, I invite that fear because it gives me something that I need to work on. Um, and I hope that a lot of other people out there are, are on that same, have that same thought process 
when it comes to how they handle their fears, you know, because fears can be crippling if you let them get to you. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's been almost an hour now, and uh, I need to start uh, getting ready to to see this movie with my baby girl. Bought tickets in advance, so that's that's how you know I'm becoming a responsible person. <laughs> so it means we gotta we have to get there at a certain time. Um, and I'm real excited about it. This is the first movie that I love going to the movies. I, I've been loving going to the movies since, you know, God, since, since the first time my mom would, I'm going to end it with this too. You know, the, the first movie, and if my mom ever hears this, <laughs> she probably, she, I think she's, I don't think she's going to agree with me, but the first movie that I can at least remember seeing at the movie theater with my mom was, Predator 2. <laughs> y'all, uh, if y'all remember the Predator franchise, Predator 2 um, had Danny Glover in it. Probably not appropriate for us. I, I don't know. I might have been uh, seven years old at the time, but I remember loving the movie, but not really processing the fact that I just saw this 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 violent movie. Um, at a very young age. So, I don't, you know, if I was to see that movie with anyone, I think it should be my mom, you know, or with your parent. But I was just one of the ones. I don't think it was the first movie that I saw. I think the first movie I saw might have been, uh, I don't know, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. I don't know. But anyway, it's a, this is a very monumental occasion for me taking my daughter to the movies for the first time and uh hopefully uh she, uh the movie will be able to keep her attention for the full 2 hours i just looked at it after i purchased the ticket last night like damn it's a 2 hour movie well better be entertaining so i think it will be so let me get ready for this day y'all um thank y'all for tuning in um you guys have a great weekend stay safe Peace and love, y'all. Have a good one.